of God. A proper view of God. I'm sure all of us have thought about many things today. As we have gone through our day, we have probably talked about many things. I know I talked about football when I was coaching football. I talked about uh, uh, things with my coworkers. I talked about things with children on the bus. Probably many things. Uh, if we went around the room and, and we wrote down everything that we could remember that we thought about, it would be a lot. The, the mind is constantly at work. But now, isn't it wonderful that we can spend some time, we can lay all those things aside, and that we can think about God. You know, that thinking about God is the most wonderful thing that you'll ever be able to do as a Christian or as a human being. And it's so wonderful in God's Word that God teaches us how to think about Him. We'll never know Him in all of His glory and all of His fullness because uh, it's, it's deeper and wider than any of us. He, he's infinite, right? And, uh, but how glorious the things are that have been revealed to us about God. And I just encourage you tonight to cast your eyes upon Him again this evening. Let's read Psalm 95 uh, again. And when we get to verse 3, I would like you to just read it out loud with me. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms together. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His, and He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the days of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways and to whom I swear my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Amen. May the Lord bless even the very reading and hearing of his word tonight. Look at verse 3 again. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods if you're taking notes i would like you to write down a quote from a.w tozer a.w tozer was a wonderful preacher and theologian we have great respect for him i know brother andy does and myself and, and brother jeff he said this uh, one time he said what comes into our mind when we think about god is the most important thing about us. I'm going to repeat that. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's pretty deep, isn't it? To see how far reaching uh, that is uh, just our thoughts about God. Now, you know, some people 
think about God as just an idea. But God is more than just an idea. Hallelujah. God is the supreme being of uh, the universe. And it's wonderful in God's word that God has declared himself in part uh, to us. And so I just, I just encourage you to have great thoughts of God and to, as you read the scriptures and you meditate on the scriptures, always use that time to really focus your heart and mind on God himself. And so just a few thoughts tonight to encourage us to do this, to have a proper view of God. The psalmist does that. And he, he says that God, that the Lord that we serve, the God of the Bible, is a great God. So, number one tonight, we want to view Him in His greatness. We want to view Him in His greatness. The devil, the world want us, wants us to have a small view of God. They want to diminish God and elevate man. But we know that the, the truth of God, will always exalt the glory of God and it will humble the pride of man, right? And you have to really have a humble heart even to be able to receive the truth. So we sang that tonight. The first song that we sang, the title said, We Sing the Greatness of Our God. And we talked about His uh, glory in being able to create the whole universe in six days. And, and He wasn't even tired. He hadn't even expended Himself. When, when he had done that, then uh, all that, not only did he, beloved, not only did he create all of that, but he sustains it. And he upholds it all by the word of his power, our, ourselves in, included. So I just encourage you tonight to view him in his greatness. Just flip over quickly to Psalm 145 for another expression of that. This is, this is beautiful. Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read to verse 3. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And here it comes. What? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And listen to this. Isn't this wonderful? And His greatness is is unsearchable. Now, we might think of many things that are great. You remember the ruler uh, at 30 years, of old, 30 years of age from Greece. He conquered almost all the known world. And uh, he was sad because he said there was no more world to conquer. He got a fever and he, he died over around India somewhere. Anybody remember what his name was? Alexander the what? Great. Alexander the Great, so-called, right? And in regards to maybe human accomplishment, uh, it is pretty amazing in this short span of his life what God allowed him to do for purposes known only to the Lord himself. But Alexander's greatness is searchable, isn't it? We can see what he did. We can see the battles that he won, the things that he said, and then, you know, he died at 30 years of age and 
his kingdom uh, didn't even go to an heir. Do y'all remember who Alexander, as he died, they kept asking, who do you leave your kingdom to? Who do you leave your kingdom to? And his four generals were around him. Does anybody know what he said with his dying breath? He said, the strongest. I leave it to the strongest. And his, the, that kingdom was divided up between his four leading generals. But just all of anything that, that we see and know, uh, things of nature, you know, uh, there along New England, going all the way almost and through Tennessee, we have the what Smoky Mountains? The Great Smoky Mountains, right? Are they searchable? They are. They're searchable. Men have, have combed every valley, every hill. It's been mapped. People, cities, towns. And really, the Smoky Mountains compared to the Rocky Mountains, I remember I always thought uh, the Smoky Mountains were great until I traveled out west. I saw the, the Colorado, the, the Rockies. I was like, man, the Great Smoky Mountains are really just little bitty bumps. <laughs> They're just little bitty hills. And I've been to other parts of the world. I've seen the, the Alps uh, and, and uh, just, uh, you know, but the hills just melt. The scripture says the hills melt. The mountains melt at the presence of of God, we think of the oceans. How great the oceans seem to us, and the Bible says that God could just hold them all in the hollow of His hand. God's greatness and our ability and our and our privilege to dwell upon Him and think about Him in His glory to glorify God is unsearchable, beloved. Uh, there's no end to our our thinking about the greatness of God. So part of what makes God so great is mentioned in this verse itself because here it is explained to us the monotheistic view of God, which was revolutionary uh, in the time in which uh, God proclaimed who He was. He told Moses from the burning bush, I am that I am. In the great Shema, write this verse down, Deuteronomy 6, 4. The great Shema, uh, the Hebrew word for here is Shema, Shema. And it's here, O Israel. What? The Lord our God is one Lord. This is part of the greatness of God, His solitariness, that there is none but Him. There's none like Him, amen. In His greatness and His glory, this monotheistic view of Yahweh sets him apart. You'll notice uh, the the uh, the uh, juxtaposition there. For the Lord is a great God, all singular, right? A great King above all what? Gods, little G's, gods that aren't really God at all. Here, the greatness of God is declared just in once again the monotheistic view of God. Himself, It sets Him apart. And then as we go down through the psalm, the first thing of, that's declared of His greatness after just who He is as a being and, of course, His sovereignty as King, it goes immediately into His role as Creator, right? Is God a great Creator? You know, beloved, I've been doing a, a project at my house uh, just trying to, to build a shop, 
and, and a family room. And I don't know if I'm, I'm going to get finished before I die. <laughs> but how awesome. And I mean, I've been working hard, right? And, and pretty skilled. But God made the universe. And we're talking about galaxies upon galaxies. Every plant, every uh, animal, every tree, every uh, continent, the oceans, everything that's in them, every cell, every atom, uh, that's just the natural world. And then all the angelic beings, the spiritual world. Oh, what a great God. He said, you're our maker, right? His transcendent greatness. He says, uh, you're our maker. Look at that in verse 6. Oh, come. Uh, you know, we should do this. Uh, I love in, in the morning I get up early before the sun rises. And I always love to see the sun rising and, and see God paint His landscape across the, the sky. Isn't uh, like Stephen Charnock said, the whole universe is but the theater of His glory. We ought to stand in awe. And bow down. Lord, you're our God. Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Verse 6. Let us kneel before the, the Lord our Maker. All these things. His hands are the, in His hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills. The mountains. The valleys. The, the oceans. The, the continents. It all belongs to the Lord. He has made it all for His glory and for a habitation for Man, the scripture declares God in his greatness as creator and maker. He is always referred to as the creator. Who told God how to make anything, Brother Cody? Nobody, right? These, these atheists, these evolutionists, uh, these people that want to, to tinker uh, with what God has, has created. I always love that. Uh, story or joke about you know they they were going to have a contest with God and they were both going to make a human being so God over there he's, he's gathering up dirt to to make his and and the evolutionists go to get their dirt and God says hey ho ho wait a minute y'all get your own dirt right you know there's uh everything that uh exists it was created and has been brought into existence by the power of God. God said, and then it, and then it was. The word create in, in the Hebrew, when it says, in the beginning, who? God. God. Solitary, right? Monotheistic. The creator, the maker. He's called the creator. He, he, uh, it says, he created the heavens and the earth. That Hebrew word there is barah. And it means to bring something from nothing. And it, that word, bara, is only used with God. Because He's the only one that could do that. Amen? Oh, the greatness of God. He's, he's called the Creator. In this wonderful, He's called thy Creator. Can anybody think of a verse where that, those words are used? Thy Creator. And especially is in reference to younger people. Yes, remember, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. People want to know what's wrong with, with our culture and, and American society and our youth. 
It all goes back to uh, when they quit teaching in, in public schools that God was the creator of this world. Uh, when, when you remove God out of the picture, man becomes the measure of all things. And man tries to become a God unto himself. And, beloved, that leads us into um, judgment and degradation of, of ourselves and of our society. So, he's called the creator, uh, the maker, thy creator. Oh, but one of the ones I love, it says, as unto a faithful creator. The scripture says, as unto a faithful creator. And then we see his greatness uh, as creator, but also in our passage, uh, also is mentioned his greatness as a shepherd. Who is thankful tonight that the Lord is their shepherd? Yeah. David, King David in Psalm 23, what a wonderful expression, right? He doesn't say the Lord is my creator, I shall not want. He says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David understood that God not only has, has created all things, he, he, he upholds all things, He sustains all things by His power, but also uh, God is intricately involved in the care of His children. Does that bless you tonight? We sang that song tonight, right? Our, our Heavenly Father, He knows. He, he cares. He, he sees. He He's going to provide for us, and especially in his role as a shepherd. Uh, he said, we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And this is connected to his deity. Verse 7 starts off, for he is our God. And, and we know him in relationship as sheep to a shepherd. A shepherd that has even laid down his life for a sheep. Amen. He's even laid down his life for us. So the scripture, as, as in creator, the creator, thy creator, a faithful creator, what about what it says about the shepherd, right? It calls him, as a matter of fact, one place it calls him the chief shepherd, right? In another place it actually calls him the great shepherd of the sheep. And then he's called the good shepherd that lays down his life for sheep. But I, I do love what David said the most. The Lord is my shepherd. That personal relationship, uh, how great God is both in His transcendence as our uh, Creator, also in His eminence to us as a shepherd that, that cares for us, uh, being our Emmanuel, our God with us. So the, it is not an overstated fact when we go to Psalm 95 and we're trying to have a proper view about God and the psalmist says, for the Lord is a great God. Amen. He is greater than all my needs tonight. He's greater than all my problems. He's greater than all my thoughts, all my imaginations. He's greater. You serve a great God tonight. Have great thoughts of God. View Him in His greatness. Amen. Well, there's another thought here that the psalmist brings to us. For the Lord is a great God 
And then he connects this to this magnificent great being. Not only is he a great God, secondly, he said he is a great king. He is a great king. So a proper view of God is to see God as the universal sovereign of all the universe. Christ Jesus' reign is universal. He, beloved, is Lord of all. Amen? Lord of all. View Him as the King. I love the way that Isaiah expresses it. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah 33. And may it be this way for us. I remember one time one of the kings of old was coming through a town. A little girl, like you, Zoe, she was so excited. She said, I'm going to get to see the king. I'm going to get to see the king. She got in a, in a great spot in the street where uh, the king was going to come by. And Man, they blew the trumpets and the horses came through and the soldiers came through and the king came through and he went by and, and went through the rest of the city and they found the little girl and, and she was crying. And they said, why, why, why are you crying? Didn't you get to see the king? And she said, yeah, I saw the king. She said, but the king didn't see me. <laughs> because there, was that, there wasn't that personal connection. But I think about Jesus, even in the stories of the New Testament. I think about Zacchaeus, that wee little man, right? The little man, the forgotten man. He climbed up. He wanted to just get a glimpse of Jesus. And he saw him, but more importantly, Jesus saw, Nicod- saw uh, Zacchaeus from Nicodemus. Saw, he saw Nicodemus too. <laughs> saw Zacchaeus and said, come down from there because I'm going to go to your house today. Oh, we, we need fresh views, proper views of God in his, in his greatness. Do not let man or this world diminish your view of God. Here, Isaiah, in Isaiah 33 and verse 17, may it be this way for us. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Oh, beloved, there's so much that I'm looking forward to about glory. Amen. I want to see what a cherubim actually looks like. I want to see Moses. I want to talk to the Apostle Paul. I want to see my granddaddy and my grandmama. I want to see my Aunt Ann again. Every year when I start teaching again, Mama, I think about Annie Ann and her talks with me out of them rocks outside of uh, Bald Rock there at the school and uh, teaching me. she was one of my biggest fans when I first started preaching. When I felt like I was doing bad, uh, Brother Andy, I could look at Annie Ann, and she, she was like, you're doing great. Come on, boy, preach it. I'm looking forward to seeing her. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking some fruit, Brother Bobby, off the tree of life and eating of the tree of life. I'm looking forward to drinking that water that flows from the throne of God. I'm looking forward to singing with the angels. But the greatest, the greatest of all, will be to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords in all His glory and beauty and unrivaled and unparalleled majesty. 
Call for a view of that, beloved. No, we can't die in heaven. It's a good thing. Because you think it would, it would all, you would almost just not be able to contain oneself. Thanks be for glorification, right? Wow. Wow, greater. Greater than all that. View him as the king. To view him in his beauty. That, that word there in the Hebrew, the word uh, king in Hebrew is melech. You might remember some of the kings in, in Genesis, like Abimelech. Uh, they had that title of king. It, that's exactly what it means. It means someone that is a, is a ruler, a leader. And so we must see God as that, as our theocratic sovereign. We are not our own, beloved. We have a ruler over our lives. Do you... Do you really have a great view of God tonight? Do you think, would you say, Brother Nathan, I do have a great view of God? Well, the, the real easy gut check way to, to see if that's really real or not is how easy is it for you to sin then? If it's an easy and light thing uh, for you uh, to sin, then truly and deeply, your view of God and my view of God is not as great as it should be, at least at that moment. We all know that we're in the flesh. Stephen Charnick said this, even the slightest sin is cosmic treason against an infinite holy God. That's a proper view of God, of, of our king, our theocratic sovereign. Oh, and just think about as the scripture describes him as our king. Some of the, the titles. The everlasting king. Right? When Paul is writing and he just breaks out into praise. Now unto the king what? Eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory. Forever and ever. Amen. An everlasting king. An eternal king. The scripture calls him the king of Glory, the King of heaven, the King of saints, King of kings, Lord of lords. Oh, to get a fresh view of that, a proper view of that, His universal reign over all things, both natural and spiritual. The psalmist, He's inviting us to worship, He's inviting us to be full of joy and, and thanksgiving and to bow down before this one that's our maker, that our shepherd and have that proper view of him in his greatness as God, as Yahweh, Jehovah, as Elohim. These, all these names of God, three names of God in this verse alone. El, for he is uh, that, that's, that's the one that is, is God. G-O-D is El. No, that, no, that is uh, Elohim. He says, for the Lord, Jehovah is a great God and a great king above all gods. We have Elohim, El, Jehovah, all mentioned here in this one verse. King, king above all gods. Now, the psalmist here isn't saying that there are other gods. But like the Apostle Paul said, God so called. 
right? God's so-called. There's only one true God, and He is king above all gods. I ask you tonight, is He your king? If He's your king, then you have obeyed Him from the heart, confessed love for Him, and followed Him in baptism in a watery grave, and, and you've joined yourself to His kingdom if He's your king. If He's your king, you would do so. May the Lord bless us all to do so. So we want to view Him in His greatness, and we want to view Him as the king. Thirdly and lastly, we want to view him as above all. Our, our scripture says he's a great God. He's a great king. And then at the end of the verse, he says he's above all. Isn't that a beautiful thought? God is supreme. God is above all. He is high and holy. I love the way the apostle Paul expresses it in uh, the, the Ephesian letter. Let's go to the Ephesian letter, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll see the Apostle Paul write to the believers in Ephesus and speak to them in this way. Beginning, or just reading verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is what? Above all. But listen, that would be great, just to think about God being above all. But listen, it's more than that. And through all, and in you all. Is that beautiful? That this one that is so high and holy, this one that is so high and transcendent above us, also dwells deep within us and is intimate with us as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Above all, Yahweh, Jehovah, is the Elohim, the God, the Mighty One, who is above all gods. It's interesting here in the Greek because Elohim is used twice. He says, For the Lord, that's Jehovah, Yahweh, is a great God, Elohim, and a great king above all gods. That's gods. They're the little gods is Elohim too, but it's lowercase Elohim. And God is proper case, capital case, Elohim, just as in Genesis when God said, Let us make man in our own image. Elohim, the mighty ones. It speaks of the Godhead, their union together above all. You know, this is exactly how John the Baptist viewed him. Let's go to John chapter 3. Do you know that the Bible says and that Jesus himself said that of men born among women, that there was none greater than John the Baptist. 
Who do you think is the best judge of the greatness of men? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be Jesus, right? Now, is really John the Baptist, Rebecca, is he who you would have picked out of the Bible as who God would have said was the greatest? Not me. I mean, you know, he kind of appeared on the scene. A locust, wild honey. You know, I just kind of imagine, I don't know if it's from watching too many TV or movies. He's just like a screamer, wild man, uh, you know, and uh, gets his head cut off, right? Uh, by uh, Because the, the, the daughter danced before Herod and the wife. He said, I tell I'll give you anything, half my kingdom. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a charger, right? None of y'all knew that the Bible was was that racy, did you? <laughs> yeah, the Bible tells the, the truth about things, right? But why, why, I thought many times, why would Jesus say of everybody that's ever going to be born upon the earth? Jesus said it in Specifically, among men that are born among women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Now you just think about that, of all the men that have lived, and why that that is. I, I don't have all, all the answers, but I know, I know some of it was the humility that John had. Even when people began to leave his ministry and begin to follow Jesus, you know, that's hard on a person's pride, right? But he said he must increase and I must decrease. You know what it will probably take for you and I to have a greater view of God would be for us to realize a lesser view of ourselves. That we might could come to the end of ourselves, that we could begin in the majesty and the glory of God. That's why some people can't ever come to the place where they follow the Lord Jesus Christ because they can't come to the end of themselves. They still think that it has to do, or salvation has to do with something that they can do or something that they can add, and you can't. You have to come to the end of yourself. And John, look at what John says in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I think this is part of what made John so amazing as a person. Of course, one thing that made him one of the greatest is the position that God put him in in his life. He was the harbinger of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one who trumpeted the sound uh, and really divinely was revealing to him who Jesus actually was because he was the first one to say, Behold, what? The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he was the harboring. He, he said, There's one coming after me whose shoes, what? I'm not worthy to even unloose. So just, just look at this real quickly. As we close, oh, this is beautiful. We just read verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Listen, here's his view. He that cometh from above, oh, just read it, and feel it in your heart, is what? Above all. Is that the way 
Is that the way you feel about God? He's above my marriage. He's above me. He's above my occupation. He's above my ministry. He's above my hobbies. He's above uh, my college degree. Uh, he's above my sickness. He's above all. He's above my president, my nation. He's above all. That's what John said. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Hallelujah. Above all, before all, and like Paul said, in you all. So, is the psalmist correct? Is the Lord a great God? Do you say amen? amen. Is He a great King above all gods? Amen. View Him as such. And the Lord bless you and keep you is our prayer.